I'm going to pray, guys. So, dear Lord, we thank you for this time that we can come together under your name and in your word. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us uh, just by your spirit, Lord, that you would give boldness and understanding to us. Lord, that you would help us to have wisdom in the things that you are going to speak to us through this message. Lord, we pray that your words would be the words that are heard, Lord, not anybody else's. So, Lord, we praise you, we thank you, and we give you this time, Lord. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Uh, so... And uh, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 10, and we're mostly going to stick in 26 through 30, 33, but I'm going to summarize a little bit of what was happening before that, so just so we have an understanding of kind of where the context is. So Matthew 10, so I'm going to give you a quick summary of the, what Jesus is saying in the verses before this so that there's some context. So in 10, 16 through 24... Jesus is talking to his followers, and he is letting them know that they're going to face persecution. That he is sending them out. He is telling them that, hey, when you go out to proclaim the gospel, to proclaim my words, that you are going to face persecution. That people are going to come against you because of him. So, you know, that, that they need to, even in the face of persecution, they need to Stand strong and be bold by the power of the Spirit who will guide them in those times of persecution. As a matter of fact, submitting to the Spirit is one of the number one things a follower of Christ should be doing. So he's just kind of bolstering that fact that we need to be submitting to the Spirit and his leading in our lives. So now in verse 26 through 33, I'm going to read the whole thing. Now we have a little bit of context of what's going on. It says, So have no fear of them, meaning the people who are persecuting you. For nothing is covered that will not be revealed, or hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in the dark, say in the light, and what you hear, hear whispered, proclaim on the housetops. And do not fear those who kill body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are you not are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs on your head are all numbered. Fear not. Therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. So every one who acknowledges me before men I also will acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I also will deny before my Father who is in heaven. Now some of these verses can be a little bit challenging. I mean, it's pretty straightforward, right? Saying, don't fear men, fear God. Now that fear of God is a little bit different than we think of fear. And we'll kind of get to that. But in verse 26, Jesus is talking about how we should not fear anyone because of their persecution, because of them coming against us. He's saying, look, them coming against you is nothing. Especially when you look at, at the prospect of God. God is almighty. God is greater than everything and everyone. Right? 
You know, and he's saying that, look, the spirit is with you. The spirit is in you. If you are following me, if you are faithful to me, then the spirit's in you. The spirit's guiding you. You have the power of Jesus residing within you. Now, that's not saying that you are a God or that you somehow have divinity. That's not the case. It's just saying that the power of the Holy Spirit is within you and he is guiding you and he can lead you through any type of persecution. He can guide you through any situation. doesn't matter what it is. So we should not be fearing men. And Jesus takes this point Point, and he even takes it a little further when he says that, look, these men might be plotting something against you. These men might be wanting to kill you, might be wanting to whip you, might be wanting to destroy you in some way. But look, man, they can only kill you in body. They can only kill you in body. And even in their thoughts, if they want to kill you, that's not going to be hidden from God. God knows our thoughts, right? God understands our thoughts. He knows what we're thinking. So even though we're trying to hide some sin in our life, God knows about it, right? He sees that. So these men who are plotting things against believers, God knows. Whether they actually act on their thoughts or not, God knows what their intentions are. And if their intentions are to destroy believers who are proclaiming the gospel, who are living their lives for Christ by the power of the Spirit, he's going to be the one that takes care of it. Right? We know this from the book of Revelation, that Jesus will come back and he will exact judgment on all unrighteousness and all unbelievers. So we don't need to be worried about it. Because they can only kill our body. God alone is the only one who can kill both body and soul. Now, when it comes to that fact, verse 28 has widely been used as an, an annihilationist text. Like it's their little proof text. Saying that, oh, see, God will destroy your, your body and your soul. It's not the context, right? The context is that we are supposed to have this reverent fear of God. Now, what does reverent mean? Because I even had to look it up, and I've used the word so many stinking times, but just so we have an understanding, and he wrote it down, says that a reverent fear is a deep and solemn respect. That means we're not afraid of God because as followers of Christ, we do not need to be afraid of God because God is our Father. God is the one who made us. God is the one who directed us into following Him. God is the one who has been there with us no matter what. However, it says that we should have this reverent fear of Him. It's a deep, solemn respect. You know, like I can have respect for you guys in some way, shape, or form. But it is not nearly as deep as the respect I should be having for God the Father, the one who created everything, the thrice holy God. You know, we should be aiming to fear him in a way 
that directs us to want to follow him, to want to obey him, to want to turn from sin. That's the difference. It's not this, oh, I'm so scared of God because he's going to destroy me. No, the unbelievers are the ones that need to fear that. So when he's talking about destroying both body and soul in hell, he's not talking about he's going to actually annihilate them. He's talking about that their body and their soul, which will be reunited in the resurrection of even the dead, which is the second resurrection, which is a resurrection unto death, because their body and their soul go to the lake of fire, where they are tormented day and night for all eternity. Okay? It's not an annihilationist proof text. Annihilationism is not found anywhere in the Bible. So please keep that in mind if you ever hear somebody try to tell you that, oh, God destroys everybody. That's just not the case. Yes, you will suffer in hell if you are not following Jesus. Period. You know, and that fact alone should really help us be guided in the right direction, which is in repentance and putting our faith in Christ because he makes us righteous, right? He makes us, he makes us whole. He makes us holy. And through the Spirit, he sanctifies us, which means that we want to sin less. It doesn't mean we're sinless. It just means we want to sin less. You know, but the Holy Spirit isn't just that. He's also our seal for the day of redemption. So the day that Jesus returns, if we have the seal of the Holy Spirit, we will be gathered to him as he is coming back. And that we want that. If you don't want that, why are you living today? You don't want to be with Jesus. I'm sorry, but there's something wrong. Jesus calls us to himself. He says, look, I laid down my life so that you could live. I laid down my life so that when you do come to me, I can send you out to proclaim that fact. Right? This is what every believer is called to. That we're supposed to actually proclaim the gospel. That we're supposed to rightly fear God. That we're supposed to endure in our faith to the very end. I will never stop preaching that. Because that is the truth. If you do not continue in faith, you will suffer the same fate as the unbeliever. Now in verse 29 through 31, Jesus is literally telling us what our importance is. He says that sparrows are important to God, but we are far more important than many sparrows. He says that the number of hairs on your head he knows them. If we weren't important to God, he wouldn't care about how many hairs we have or lack thereof, Dustin. <laughs> right? He wouldn't care how much hair we have on our heads if he didn't care about us. But the fact is, is that God does actually care about us. And he cares about us enough to step out of eternity in the form of Jesus and die for us. 
and then come back to life, defeating death so that we can defeat death in him. Right? Paul says death no longer has a hold on us. Death no longer has a sting. That means the day that we take our final breath is the day we stand before Jesus. Right? That's what he told the thief on the cross. Because the thief on the cross had repented and he said right then and there, today you will be with me in paradise. You know, the thief wasn't baptized. The thief didn't, like, get to go into a confessional and tell all his sins and get absolved. No. Jesus said, because of your repentance and because of your faith in me, even though we are both on these crosses together, you will be with me in paradise today. You know, so we we just got to understand that Jesus cares about us. God cares enough to die for us and to raise for us so that we can live for all eternity praising Him. Some people think that's boring. I highly doubt it's going to be boring. You know, because who knows how many different genres of worship we're going to be going through. I mean, you're going to have Southern Gospel, you're going to have Straight Gospel, you're going to have Blues, you're going to have Metal. Let's just say I do believe there's going to be metal in heaven, okay? And it's not the devil's music. The devil just corrupted it. Okay? Heaven is going to be absolutely amazing. And we're not going to care that we're praising the Lord God Almighty for all eternity because that's what we're created for. We're created for fellowship with Him. We're created to glorify Him. Plain and simple. He did everything he did so that we can have right relationship, right? So that we can come to him. So that we can be made righteous. So that we can spend eternity with him. And so Jesus takes it to the next step. He says, if you proclaim me, if you accept me, if you stand before others and call me as I truly am, which is Lord God, Messiah, Savior, because that's who he is, right? Jesus is my Lord and Savior. He is the Messiah. He is God in the flesh who died and rose and is now at the right hand of the Father on my behalf, on your behalf, if you are following him. Telling the devil to shut his mouth when he tries to accuse you. But then we get this scary verse. If you deny me, before men, I will deny you before my Father. What you need to know is Jesus' words here are very, very, very true. But when you look at the rest of Scripture, you also need to see that there's more to it than this. It's not just a straight denial by words only. It's a denial by your life and how you live it, your actions, if there's no fruit of the Spirit in your life, then you must not have the Spirit. If you do not care to have life change, then obviously there's no Spirit. Or you've been living your life for Jesus. You've been faithful to Him for the past, like, say, 25 years or whatever. And you've been 
producing the fruits of the Spirit. You've been faithfully living out your life for Jesus. But then, someday hits, and you're like, I don't know, God, I kind of I like that over there. I kind of want that more than I want you. And you start living for yourself. You start living in unrighteousness, and you start living in sin again. You have freely given up your salvation. So by your life or and or by your words, you have denied Christ before others. You have essentially said, I'm ashamed of my Savior. And I would rather do things for myself. I'd rather do it my way. It's God's way. is not the way that I want to do things. And that's not how we are called to live. We're called to boldly proclaim the name of Jesus. We're called to boldly live out our faith in our everyday lives, in our everyday actions, in our words. Right? In Ephesians, it talks about that we're not supposed to let any corrupt word come out of our mouth. You know, that's like crude joking. That's cussing. That's taking the Lord's name in vain. Living in a way that does not honor and glorify God, does not show the work of the Spirit in our lives. Now, let's say somebody did deny Christ. And we have an example of this. Peter, the apostle, he denied Christ three separate times. Two people. Crowd, a crowd of people even. And he started cursing. But yet, Jesus restored him. God will let you go. But he will also do everything he can to bring you back. The choice is still up to you. He's not going to force you to follow him. However, he will do what he can to convince you to come back, right? He will let you go so deep down, just like he did with the prodigal son, but yet he will still accept him back, right? The prodigal son repented, came back to the father, even though he was once with the father, he had left the father, and then he came back and he repented, and the father, without even batting an eye, accepted him back, said my son was dead. That means separated from me. That means you were dead. You're dead in your sins and trespasses. But now that he's returned, he's alive. We can be alive in Christ. If you've wandered away from him, if you've essentially denied him, whether in word or deed, you can return. And when you return, if you return, he's going to ask you to live for him, faithfully enduring till the very end, whether that means you take your last breath or he returns. He says, live for me, endure for me, have faith that is everlasting. Trust me, follow me. I lived and died for you so that you can live and die for me. Right? Jesus calls us to die. 
die to self, live for him, so that he can live in and through us. You know, we don't want to deny Christ. We don't want to have to suffer at the hands of an angry God because we chose to live for ourselves, because we chose the path of sin. We chose the wide path that leads to death instead of the narrow path that leads to life. This Christian thing, this following Jesus thing is not actually easy. But if you are relying on the Spirit and trusting Him, then you will gladly endure anything that gets thrown at you. You know, and that's the challenge for us as believers. If you are a believer, the challenge is to live for Him. It is to follow Him no matter what comes your way. It is to trust that He is there and that He is ready to guide you through no matter what storms you're facing. Because you know, we're all facing something. We're all going through a storm. We're all... We're all struggling in some way. You might put on a cool face. You might be thinking, oh man, I don't struggle. You don't know me. You're right, I don't know you. But every single one of us is struggling in some way, shape, or form. You can deny it all you want. It's just not true. The only difference is, is that some of us are struggling with the help and guidance of the Holy Spirit. Some of us are trying to struggle on our own. And that's a struggle that leads to death and destruction. When you struggle with the Spirit, when you struggle with the guidance of God Almighty, you can stand firm in it. Now, I know many of you in this room are believers. Some of you are not. You may think you are. You may tell yourself you are. Or you are just not, and you're like, nah, man, I like living for myself. The question right now is that are you ready to give up your life? Are you ready to die to yourself and let Jesus live for you? Are you ready to take up your cross and follow him? If so, it's very easy. You tell him. You tell him, Lord, I'm ready to follow you. I'm ready to die to myself. I repent of my sins. Lord, I don't want to do them anymore. Indwell me with your Holy Spirit so that I may live for you, so that I may be sanctified for you, so that I may be made righteous by your blood. Jesus will freely open his arms and take you in. Jesus will freely cover you with his atoning blood. And he will freely implant his spirit within you so that you can live for him if you will but submit to him. You know, and repentance doesn't mean just the, oh, I'm sorry, God. It's the complete and full turning 
from sin. It's the complete and full turning from your life of selfishness and sinful desires that are against the Spirit. It says, come to me. You know, you get to decide, are you ready to come to Jesus? Are you ready to lay down your life before him and say, I'm yours? If so, please do so. And if you do, please let me know. Unless you want to be so bold as to say right now that that's what you want to do, and you will stand up. Now, I'm not going to ask you to, but if you wanted to, if you were going to say, hey, I'm ready to give up my life, you can stand up. If not, I'm going to just assume that you're either a believer or you're not ready, and I'm going to tell you that that's okay. However, please do not take too long to make that decision because if you go out tonight and you die, there is no second chance. We have this life to make a decision for Christ and only this life. The next life will either be really good or really, 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 really bad. So, with that, just know Jesus loves you and he wants you. So please make your decision for him. But you are also freely able to choose against him. So let me pray and let's be done. So dear Lord, we thank you so much for this time. Lord, I pray that this message would penetrate the hearts of each and every one of us, whether we're a believer or we're not, Lord. Lord, because the gospel is for everybody, whether a believer or not. Lord, Believers are in need of the gospel constantly because we need to be reminded that we need to repent and that we need to live for you, that we need to surrender to your spirit and your guidance and your will every day, every moment of every second, Lord. So, Lord, I pray that you would just be with everybody in this room, that you would impress upon their, their hearts where you want them to be, who you want them to be, and who you want them to serve. Lord, because obviously you want everyone to serve you because you wish that none would perish, but that all would come to the knowledge of the truth, which is only found in Jesus. So, Lord, we praise you. We thank you. Lord, we give you the rest of this night. And it's in your mighty name we pray. Amen.